Good evening, and welcome to the Stage Ghost Podcast, featuring writing, teaching, and theater thoughts on the ride home with your driver and host, Brian Humphrey. So today is uh, September something, probably September 6th or so, um, and just had one of the first rehearsals, um, probably the first rehearsal for uh, the fall production. Um, we're doing Radium Girls this time around, and uh, it was um, it was a good table work rehearsal, and table work is something uh, that I tend to neglect um, a little bit more than I'd like to. I'd like to get into it a little bit more um, than I than I schedule. And basically, what table work is is um, getting a group of the cast together. Sometimes you can get everybody together. It works best when you have small casts um, because then you don't feel like you're wasting a lot of people's time. Um, and I know that you know, as a director, we like to say oh, we're not wasting anybody's time. Everybody can learn from what we're doing. Um, or they can all participate, they can, you know, observe and those types of things. But really, you know, there, there is an aspect of, uh, if I'm going to call students out for two or three hours, um, in the evening, uh, away from their families and away from, you know, homework and other things that they could be doing, I don't want them to just be sitting there the entire time. So, um, often I'll call a certain group of students and then, We'll kind of go through one by one, talk about character, talk about some of the expectations that I have, um, you know, ask them what they see in their character so far, give them an opportunity to kind of play with it and report back um, during that, that table work rehearsal. Um, sometimes you're digging into themes and, and you know, repetitive structures and um, some, of the, some of the hidden layers in the text. And sometimes it's really just a, a chance to um, get to know some of the newer actors that you've brought on board and um, give them some things to think about before you actually get into the blocking and staging process. And so it was good. It was a, you know, it was pretty casual and um, we, uh, we talked about character and um, some of the things that we're going to need to kind of work on to make these characters um, a little more believable and accessible um, and to really humanize them. And um, I think that's, for this particular show, uh, it's definitely something that needs to be prevalent, but it's also something that I think too often I see when I go to theater, um, I see a lot of uh, people playing the archetype of, um, of the character and either choosing to like the character or dislike the character. It becomes very obvious to me most of the time. Um, whether the actor likes their character or not. Um, and then they tend to overplay that aspect. So, uh, for example, if you're playing kind of a smarmy character, somebody who makes some bad decisions, somebody who is out for themselves, um, you know, in our society, we're very into labels right now. And um, it's very easy to to call someone a name or to say, oh, you know, you have this political viewpoint, you must be evil. And that's just not how life works. There's a, a gray area that um, is, it's really easy to ignore because it's uncomfortable to think that a, a an intelligent, caring person could believe differently than you. Um, but 
you know, we, we have to be better than that. And, and as actors, um, especially when we're portraying a character to an audience, it makes the difference between is that character going to move the audience in any way? If the, if the audience is looking at a character that's very black and white, you know, a character that they say, okay, that's the villain. Oh, look how evil he is. Oh, I hate him and I hate everything that he's saying. And the actor's playing him in such a way that, that it makes me hate him. Um, it's very surface. It's very two-dimensional. And, you know, the, the audience member may leave thinking, okay, I understand the story and I know who the good guys and the bad guys were. But do we really? Um, and it's our job to create complexity in some of these characters that we seem to not really um, believe are all that complex. Um, so we have to dig a little deeper, right? And um, for this particular show, we have characters who have situations that they've been placed in that uh, are impossible to make a good decision. Um, it's really, it's weighing this life versus this life and, and which one is more valuable because either way that you make a decision, somebody's going to die. Um, and in one case, it's people that trusted you that, um, worked for you and are young and, um, vibrant and, uh, it's your fault that they're dying. On the other hand, um, if the company goes under, then thousands of other people may not get the treatment that they need. In this particular instance, a very specific instance, because we're talking about radium and, um, you know, the girls who were poisoned by, uh, tipping their brushes with their lips. And so they were absorbing radium into their, into their jaw and their, um, their oral cavity. And, uh, and that's eventually what killed them. Um, but the radium was being used to paint watch dials for soldiers, um, who were out in the field and needed to be able to coordinate and, and see their watches in the dark. Um, and this was before watches had little lights in them and these pocket watches. Um, and then even beyond that, the radium from this company, the company wasn't only doing watch dials, they were in the medical field as well. And so you have um, suddenly this discovery that radium can cure cancer, um, radiation uh, treatments, right, using radium. And so if you were to cancel all of that because the company goes under, then you have these thousands of people who no longer receive these medical treatments. And uh, how do you weigh um, you know, how many lives are worth another kind of a thing. So when you have characters who have to make those decisions, um, you know, there, there is no opting out. It's not a, okay, well I quit and I'm walking away and I'm going to let somebody else do it because that's not, um, a, uh, a viable decision either. Um, I mean, you could, you could run and hide and stick your head in the sand, but now all that you're doing is you're saying that, I am allowing someone else to make the decision, which is basically making that decision yourself in the same way. Um, so these characters are very complex and it's not just a matter of, oh, well, he's a very evil uh, company man and um, I'm going to play him that way. And, and that's, I think, the pitfall that a lot of actors can get into. 
So those are the types of things that come up in table work. Um, I think table work is very important. I've seen it done a lot of different ways. Um, and in the end, the, the idea is to, to help the actors get a grasp of what your concept is as a director. It's also to help them make some discoveries um, on their own. And, um, you know, if you're interested in directing, that is one of the keys to being a good director is um, you're a guide, you're kind of the old crazy miser on the hill who doesn't tell uh, the person that you're mentoring what to do and how to do it, you're leading them to that discovery. That can be difficult <clears throat> as you work with younger and younger and younger actors, especially when you get into like middle school and elementary school. Um, it's a lot harder for them to make those discoveries because a lot of those discoveries come from life experience. Um, but, uh, you know, use of analogies and use of, of stories and storytelling is uh, usually how you get them to that point where they can then apply it themselves. Um, you may have heard the, the phrase line reading and uh, how you don't want to give a line reading. In other words, you don't want to say, okay, you have to say the line this way. And then you say the line for them and then they repeat it and they mimic you. And now you have, um, you know, you have them saying it the way that you hear it in your head as the director and you think, yep, that's the right way to do it. Um, but it always seems a little stale or a little, um, it has no soul to it. There's no spirit in it because it's just a hollow shell. It's just a represent or a, a reproduction of uh, what you gave them. So you want to lead them to that. You want them to make the discovery themselves. Um, and so table work can help with that. Uh, it's time. It takes a lot of time. You're not blocking. You're not running scenes. You're not, um, you know, digging in to the text uh, as they're talking to each other and they make a lot of discoveries in, in that particular process as well. But I think sometimes if you can, if you can take one or two rehearsals and do a little bit of table work and really just sort of dig in, um, and, and have that discussion, then I think it can go really well. Um, for high school, I find, um, that I'm doing a lot more leading of the discussion. I'm doing a lot more talking myself. And that's something that as I go, I like to try to remind myself to take a, you know, to, to step back a little bit and, and let my students speak a little more for themselves um, in some of the more community theater or professional theater um, that I've been involved in. Uh, the actors love to talk and, um, you know, are not quite as hesitant. They're not as afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, even though I found that my students uh, have a lot of really amazing insights and, um, I, you know, they don't ever say the wrong thing. Whatever they say is usually something that we can build on. Um, but uh, I find that, you know, community theater, professional theater, the actors tend to not shut up, which is always kind of funny to me um, and makes for a really long table work session. So in any case, it was a successful rehearsal. Um, that's a little bit about, about table work and... Uh, I apologize if my voice is a little scratchy, um, coming out of, uh, a little bit of, of a head cold for the last couple of weeks. And so hopefully the next one will be a little less, uh, irritating of a scratchy voice, but, uh, it was good having you with me on the ride home and, um, until next time. This stream of Ride Home Consciousness is inspired, in part, by my good friend and brilliant voice actor, 
Dave Robison, whose own podcast can be found on his professional website at butterymanvoice.com. I'm your driver and host, Brian Humphrey, and as always, it's been a great ride, but it's time for the stage ghost to get some sleep. To all, a good night. <laughs>